0: What role can deception technology play at healthcare organizations? Hi, this is Howard Anderson, news editor at Information Security Media Group. And today I'm speaking with Mitch Parker, CISO at Indiana University Health System, about the role of this emerging technology. Thanks for joining us again today, Mitch.
1: You are very welcome. Always happy to join you, Howard.
0: Mitch, I understand you deployed deception technology in two of your previous roles and are considering another rollout at Indiana University Health System. What did you learn about the role that the technology can play in your previous deployments? How's that role changed since then? And how helpful was it in improving threat detection and response?
1: Well, back when I had first deployed this, there was a technology called HoneyPots. And the purpose of having a technology around was to see who was poking around your network, observe their attack patterns, and be able to craft responses based on what you have observed. When they're taking a look at a non-production environment so since then we've seen the advent of a large amount of very targeted malware that targets specific vulnerabilities and systems so examples i can give you there's been at least one ransomware variant that targeted jboss you had another that targeted apache struts which was what brought down Equifax. And you've had several other very targeted variants. And you. it even goes down to WordPress. And I helped out an academic program a couple of years ago when we built basically a WordPress honeypot because WordPress has been attacked so much. So what it's evolved to now is instead of being something you put in place to see who was curious enough to hack it, it's more of something that's more of an active response on your network so that you can utilize it to observe what malicious software is doing. And all. it's still very helpful. It was helpful before, but it was helpful in less sophisticated times, and it's evolved along with that.
0: So this new generation of the technology that you're describing, is, is it more difficult to deploy, do you think? Uh, how big a challenge is it?
1: I think that conceptually it seems to be easy to deploy, but realistically there's a lot of work you have to do on the back end to make sure that you're deploying it the right way. Because it's very easy to stand up something on a network. However, building in customer support. So say for example, someone discovers one of your decoy systems and they call into the help desk. Does your help desk know you're deploying it? What did they tell the, What did they do, What did you tell the customer? How do you handle those types of issues? And that's where this kind of technology becomes very difficult to deploy, because you have to think not just the technology factor, but also the social factors, and also customer service and integration with your existing production environments. Even though they're not supposed to be the same, you still have to somewhat support it as if it was one. And still have to make sure that you have that structure in place.
0: So, how are you going about uh, selling your board at Indiana University on uh, the viability of this software and that, and that it's uh, a worthwhile investment? Where are you at on that?
1: So, we're not even at that point right right now. Right now, we're looking at a lot of other options. However, I mean, I do have a background in this this field, and I can tell you this is something that is being heavily considered. However, this is something that if we deploy it, we're gonna want to make sure we get it right. And for us, it's not a question of putting out something to say we have the latest and greatest, it's more of if we're gonna put out something, we're gonna do our homework and we're gonna do it right. And we're gonna make sure that we include everybody that we need to to make sure it's done correctly. The way we like to deploy these types of technologies and organizations is not, it's to, it's not about the technology as much as it is how you do it and how you measure success. And we'd rather measure success with a good deployment than put something out there and just say we have it.
0: So are you weighing deception technology against other options like big data analytics, things like that? What are the options you're considering? In- well,
1: Howard, it's not about that. It's a, it's everything is a question of when and how it fits into your overall strategy. So, with us, it's not a question of if; it's a question of when. And you have to be at a point where you can say this is the this is the right time to do it. And while there's a lot of companies out there that'll that will not be in agreement with what I say, it's about when you put something out, like this out on your network. It's a very powerful tool. But you also have to measure deploying it to get the most value and having a good case to do so and making sure that everything else that you do is able to support it. So, again, we look at everything as a sequence, and this is part of a
0: sequence. Given all that, what advice would you give to other CISOs who are weighing this kind of investment at their organization based on your experience? My
1: experience is, is that you have to really take a step back, understand where your risks really are, and build a plan to address those risks and have this as part of your plan. One other lesson we learned when I did this before was that one thing about deception technology, is really good, but it's also very deceptive in the amount of work and effort it takes to deploy it correctly and to make sure you get that good value out of it. Because right now, we're in a situation where this is excellent for helping you discover malware and ransomware that other technologies are not able to detect. And we are at that point where, especially in the case of in-memory malware, this is a major concern. But you have to make sure that you have your endpoint detection and response, you have your network detection and response, And you have a very robust infrastructure before you should consider putting out a technology like Deception Technology, not because the technology is not valid. No, the technology is excellent. Technology is great. But if you don't have the other pieces in place, you're going to cause more confusion than benefit.
0: Okay, very good. Uh, Shifting gears a bit, uh, at the upcoming 2018 HIMSS conference, you'll be offering sessions on a couple other topics, security team building as well as security practices for RFID. Why don't you give us a quick preview, Mitch?
1: So I'm giving a talk in the Cybersecurity Command Center on Tuesday about cybersecurity team building. The reason why I'm doing it is because the role of the CISO over the past couple of years has changed and so has the requirements for the entire team. And what I'm looking for in my team members is a lot more diverse than has a cybersecurity degree and knows their tools. The role of information security organizations has grown significantly. We do a lot more interfacing and communication with executives. And we are part of the business as opposed to just being part of IT. And as part of that, the qualifications of team members have drastically changed over the past few years. And I found myself working with a number of staffing companies and human resources professionals and basically telling them what we needed in our team members. And my thought was, this is a good ecosystem. Why don't we make sure we get everybody educated as to what we need for our from our team members? That way we can raise the bar on the professionals we have interfacing in our new role and get a new group of professionals in here that could really help take our information security programs to the next level, which is where they need to be to continue continue the momentum we have going. It's not all about data breaches. It's about maintaining a good risk management program, and this is part of our way of doing it, making sure we have the right people with the right skills in the right place. So my second presentation is a little bit more fun. It's talking about tips and techniques about on how to secure RFID in a healthcare environment, and it doesn't just talk about, well, RFID has all these issues. We talk more about a risk-based approach to taking a look at your RFID implementation and breaking it down to its component parts and building a program around it so that you can build security in where it needs to be built in, and more importantly, building the checks and balances to be able to spot issues before they become disasters. And that's what we're, we're concerned about. There's a lot of benefit to the technology, but there's also been, a lot of concerns with security and a lot of concerns with privacy. And another part of it is making sure that we address those concerns with security and privacy so that we can utilize the benefits and make our organizations more efficient and contribute to innovation as opposed to being the department that always says no.
0: Well, thanks for that summary, Mitch. Uh, Appreciate your time today. We've been talking today with Mitch Parker of Indiana University Health System for Information Security Media Group. I'm Howard Anderson. Thanks so very much for listening.